0: hope everyone you doing good. Good, good, good. Let me see how awkward this is going to be. Money. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. And so um, some of you were here last week, and uh, you're back again. I want to congratulate you. I told you, hey, don't, don't skip church for a few weeks. And some of you, this is your first Sunday, and you're like, I knew it. That's why I don't go to church. Pastors always talk about money. And so just so you know where we're at, I haven't talked about money since 2013. Um, this, is, this sermon series we're doing called The Blessed Life is more than just money. Um, it, it has the ability to set your life free. And so um, the goal of this series is to understand the significance of how you handle what God has entrusted you, you with. And so, and some people don't like to talk about money. And so I told you last week, jokingly, I said, uh, most people don't want to talk about money in church, people don't want to talk about sex in church, people don't want to talk about politics in church. And I was kind of joking when I said I might just do all three of those for three months, but I think I'm gonna. And so, sounds fun. Um, I like when people feel awkward, and so, and I enjoy angry people. I'm from Philadelphia, and so, I do not feel in, in weird at all, and so we're going we to do, do a sermon series on marriage and dating and sex in a few, in, in a few months, and if you don't want to wait for me to talk about it, you actually want to have somebody who professionally teaches on the subject this, this Tuesday night at our marriage class, the topic is sex. Can I get an amen? And so some of you missed the first three, but there's still room for you here uh, on Tuesday night, and so I promise you, if you haven't been coming to marriage class, um, and you're engaged, you're married, think about getting divorced, you don't really like your spouse anymore, um, you've been dating for for a long time, trying to kind of figure out if you're supposed to get married. This class has been un- unbelievably good. If you've been here uh, with us here in Montgomeryville, would you say amen with me if you agree? Okay, that's not good advertisement for me. And so I expected more from you. And so, what um, we're doing a summary series called The Blessed Life. We're basing it off of a book uh, that I read years ago. Uh, we read this as a church. We're reading it again. And so, you remember what it said in The Blessed Life? Here's how you, you define the Blessed Life it uses the word super. Who, who, who said it? Who said it? Super. No, you didn't say it last time. And so who said it over here? Don't try to cheat, right? Super. Who said it? Who, took, who, who remembers? Super what? All right. Supernatural power working in your life. I got a book for you. You got a book yet? I'm not going to throw it. And so can you just pass this back, Keisha, to him? And so pass that back to him. And so supernatural power working in your life. And so if that's the case, then we have to understand. Last week I, I told you, I said, with everything inside uh, of Satan's power, right? Because Satan is your enemy. Um, The Lord has good for you. Satan, he he desires pain and evil. He's gonna do everything he can to get you to tune out, not listen, do this your own way. I just started jotting down some things. Like Satan wants to bring confusion. God, he always wants to bring clarity. And Satan uh, loves struggle. So if you're struggling, God is not enjoying that right now. Satan loves struggle, God wants to set you free. Satan enjoys stress. God wants to bring you rest. I could do this all day. I'm a pastor, right? Satan loves poverty. God, he wants prosperity in your life. Satan promotes pride. He wants you to have pride. God, he brings purpose in your life. And so they have different goals for you. And so here's what I told you. Here's how Satan's gonna start the series. He's gonna fill you with all sorts of excuses on why you shouldn't think about money, talk about money, how the church wants your money. Then he's gonna pr- uh, give you guilt. He's gonna bring you grief. And then he's gonna watch your life stay glued, stay stuck. He's gonna enjoy you being constantly frustrated. And so the goal of the series, let's take the spiritual lid off of our lives. Let's lean into what the word of God says. The word of God speaks on money over 2,000 times. And so it speaks on faith. It speaks on heaven and hell. It speaks more on on money than it does with all of those almost combined in in the Bible. So it has to be an important topic when it comes to our lives. And here's why. Um, Satan wants you to hold on to money more than you hold on to God. So my kids are, are are getting older, and so uh, but you anybody have a uh, young baby in here? And currently, to put them to sleep, you don't just say go to bed, right? You're on my nerves, and so you rock them to sleep. Anybody rock your babies to sleep? Come on, put your hand high. I'm telling you right now, one day it just ends. You go to pick up your 13 year old and put them on your lap. It's super <laughs> awkward, right? And so it just ends. And so but it just, it it, you, it just goes away before you know. Like when you're having a baby, it feels like it's never going to end, and then all of a sudden you're old. That's how it works, and you long for those days. And so I was thinking about uh, my middle child. They all they all wanted to be rocked, and they all had a very specific way they wanted to be held. And it was it was it, all babies are different. Lincoln, um, he was super cuddly, right? And so uh, and so when he was a baby, we used to have this little this glider in their in their nursery, and uh, me and my wife would put Lincoln to bed. And so you would go into the room, you would get 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 turn the lights off, you know, turn on what you know nightlight, whatever it is. And then before he was rocked. You had to get a stuffed animal. So I remember you had a dinosaur, and uh, you had to get his stuffed animal, and for him to be comforted enough for, to, to go to sleep, even though you were holding him, you would be patting him as you were gliding, and he would be holding this dinosaur, patting this dinosaur. And it, 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 when it happened, I got it, made, it, it actually irritated me. I'm just being honest. I'm like, I'm your dad. I made you, right? Like we, we, We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, and so I'll tell you how that works, and so Right? And so, like, I made you, I participated in that. Like, I I pay for stuff. I get your formula, I get your diapers, I do all these things. I I I comfort you when you cry. You want me or your mom? And and at bedtime, all you need is you need me in this room rocking you and patting you and singing to you, but you would prefer instead this cheap Walmart dinosaur. Literally, he would hold it, he would pat it, he would give it open mouth slobbery kisses. You put him in his if he didn't have it, he couldn't go to sleep. It used to make me so mad. I think to myself, that's a great picture of God. God is saying, I'm all that you need if you would just trust me. And I give you these things because I bought that dinosaur. I regretted every moment of it, right? And so, because he was killing this relationship between me and my son, this opportunity. And I bought you this dinosaur as a gift, but instead of it being a gift, it was something you built your life on. And you hold on to stuff more than you hold on to God. But the Bible says this is impossible. Matthew 16. These are the, I'm, I'm going to only give you words from Jesus today, mainly, okay? Like most of the words I'm going to read to you today only come from Jesus, right? And so he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and be devoted and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, he doesn't cut corners. He just tells you what he's talking about. You cannot serve both God and what does it say? You can't. It doesn't say you can't. It doesn't say you can't have both God and money. It doesn't say you can't be successful. It says you can't serve. Here, here's how you know what you serve: whatever gets your first, you serve. You go through your your checkbook. If your if your very first bill that you you pay is your house, you serve that. That's that's your. That's where you find your worth. If it's your car, if it's college tuition, uh, if it's some of you it's Starbucks. Let's just be honest. You ain't paying. You ain't paying your, the mortgage. You're paying Starbucks first, and so you pay Starbucks. Some of you it's a mall. You 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 can't serve both God. In money, one of them suffers. In some of your Bibles, it says the word mammon, God in mammon. It's just the God of riches, right? Mammon promises to provide security and significance and identity and independence and power and freedom. And what he's trying to say is to serve one, one has to suffer. You guys know that's true, right? Like when I got married, um, I was a single person before I got married. That's how it works. When you're a single person, you have single person time on your hand right so when a single person says oh I'm so busy they're lying and so (laughs) you're you're busy taking care of yourself right and so and so when I was a single person I was like I'd be like I worked and then for for a few months at my first church Leah wasn't I wasn't married yet and she was actually still in in college in Dallas and so I was a single guy I would work and I lived on a golf course my first apartment the Lord had provided for me and so (laughs) And I would literally go home, I would pick up my, my golf clubs, and I would golf by myself every night. And then, and then we got married, and, and, uh, and, and after we got married, she needed time, right, and for me. And so, so when I would get home from work, after, at, at, at church, I would come home from work, and she would, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to go out and go golf. And sometimes she would let me, right? Sometimes she would drive the cart with me, and um, if you're a married couple, I, I, don't, I don't encourage that. Like, I just think, it was just fights, right? And she, I'd be swinging, and she'd be like, I think you're doing it wrong. No crap why are you here, right, and so we just, and there's some nights she would just be like, what did she say, what did wife say, I don't want you to go golfing, spend time with me, right, what are we gonna do, we're gonna watch HDTV, right, and we're gonna, (laughs) right, okay, so if I wanted to keep being a single guy, and try to be a married person, something was gonna suffer, same thing when you're, you're a parent, like, You have all these hobbies and you have kids. Like something has to give. You can't do everything, right? And so this is what he's trying to say is like you can't serve both God and money. Something is is, going to suffer. And so what I want to do is I want to establish something today. Last week I told you about money, what Satan's going to do. Today I want to establish probably the most foundationally important aspect of money, stuff, time, talent, everything you have. That if you don't get this down... Everything else will be left up to your own opinion. Here's the problem with your own opinion your opinion keeps changing, and you are the reason that you are in the trouble that you're in. You can, if you live your life by feelings, by what you want, that's why I love the Word of God. No matter how much culture changes, no matter how different it gets, no matter what happens, the Word of God stays true. It doesn't change. You just build your life off the Word of God. You filter reality through the Word of God, you filter feelings through the Word. Of God, and so if you don't get this truth in the Word of God, nothing else is going to make sense. And so I entitled this message "Mine or Nah." <laughs> is it "Mine or Nah"? Go ahead and look at your neighbor, say "Mine," and look at the other one, say "Nah." If your, your, your breast thinks that just got all over them, <sighs> right? Right? "Mine, Mine or Nah," and I want to teach you a word. I want to teach you a word, really important word, foundational word when it comes to your stuff. um, Understanding who you are in God. Okay, the word steward. Steward, not steward, right? You're like, steward, right? No, steward. S T E W A R D. Okay, when you say the word steward in church and you say, hey, what does it mean? You get all sorts of answers, right? Some people go, right, biblical, they're like, that means tithing, right? It doesn't. Some people say it means taking care of the earth, right? Mother nature, we going to take care of the earth. So, some, some people say it means using your individual talents in a responsible way. I don't know what that means, but there's all these definitions. Some people say, I don't care what it means. I don't want to know, but if, listen, if you are a follower of Christ, you need to understand what this word says. And so I want to read you just a few passages so that in your head, you can develop your own definition based on truth from scripture on what the word steward means. Here, I'm going to read you two. Ready? Psalms 24, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and, what is that word? Is it up there? And what? That's important. So you got to preach with me today. Eight o'clock did it. you got to do it too, right? The the earth is the Lord's. And what's the word? Okay. Everything in it. The world. And what's the next word? And All. all. Doesn't say some of the earth is the Lord's and some... Like some people, right? No, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The earth is the Lord, and everything in it, right? Okay, Psalms forty-one, another another book in the Bible. Same thing. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Same word. What is the word? Is it up there? Are you track it with me. Can you go to the next one, please. The next one, please. Just write down. All right, here we go. <laughs> ready? The, er, er, who, who has a claim against me? I must pay. Ready? Here's the word. What's that word? Okay, we're good now. We're going to get better from here. Everything under heaven belongs to me. So, okay. If we're trying to establish what a steward is, here's, here's what a steward understands. Everything we have. Our finances, our jobs, our houses, our land, our real estate, our investments, our credit, our equity, our cash, our bonuses, our businesses, our cars, and our personal items is given to us by God. They're they're what? They're His. If you're trying to understand at the the core of what becoming a steward is, it's real simple it's recognizing God owns everything in your life. You don't start there, everything else is left up to your opinion. If you build there, everything else makes sense. So I don't like to have stuff in my pockets. And so uh, I've, been, I've been, I kind of came up here with money today. I got, I got, I got, I got money in my pocket. And so um, I got $100 in my pocket. Some of you just sat up. You're like, what, right? <laughs> I want a book, right? Pulls out money, you're listening. And so, so I got $100. Now, in this illustration, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but I, I, I want you to see me as God. Now, I'm, don't go Google review us. Say, we're a cult, right? And he says he's God. This is illustration purposes only, okay? I'm Steve. I'm just a pastor. But in this illustration, who am I? Okay, that we're going to edit that out, right? It just sounds weird. God, right? Okay. But I need you to track me. First service, I'm having a hard time with this. And so, right? So how much money do I have again? What did I tell you? I got $110 bills. Whose money is it? Mine, right? Because I'm God in this. It's my money. I, I, I just want to establish that before I do what's next. Whose money is it? Just say yours. Don't say God. It's getting all confusing. Just everybody got to work with me. Whose money is it? Okay, we good. All right. I'm God. You call me yours though, okay? Okay. It's my money. Okay. I have $100. It's bothering me. I don't like stuff in my pockets, making me look fatter on camera. I don't want it in my pockets, right? So I'm going to ask somebody to hold this for me until the end of my sermon. But whose money is it? Okay, so Mia, I need you to hold this money for me, okay? In Montgomeryville, I don't know who you are, but Taylor has $100 of his own money, and so you can decide whatever you want to do with that right now. (laughs) But for here, whose money is it? Okay, I'm going to give this to you. Now, hold on a second. Why are you, right? It becomes hot, right? And so I'm going to give you this money, but I need you to hold it right. I don't want you gripping it up. Okay. Right? I don't want your sweat on this. I just want you to ho- open it, wipe them off. There you go. Just wipe, wipe them off. There you go. Not, nah, don't hold it. Just, 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 just very loosely. Okay, you can sit back down. Now listen, security's at the back doors, you can't leave. We see you running, we're going to stop you. Because whose money is it? Yours. Okay. And I asked Mia to do what? Did I tell her she can have it? No. I told her to do what? Okay, I'm teaching you. See what I'm teaching you? I'm God in this equation. I know I'm not God. I, it's my money, right? And I've given it to Mia, and I've told her to do what? Okay. I preach a long time, right? Some of you are like, how long? I got about 17 minutes, it looks like. Woo, I got to hurry. And so, okay? So even if I go over my countdown, which I do every week, (laughs) whose money is it? You tell me. You have it. I don't care what they say. You tell me what you, is it my money? Okay, that's my money. If I preach too long, if you get bored, right? Is any of that your money? Okay, whose is it? Okay, are you guys tracking with me now? I asked her, I didn't say, here you go, you can have it. I asked her to do what? Okay, this is, this is where you begin to understand what it is to be a steward. It's not, it's not an amount thing. It doesn't matter if she has $100, $500, $5. It, it's an understanding. And he, Here's the things you got to begin to understand. I call this stewarding mindsets. Here's some, here's some things you're going to have to work through to embrace being a steward. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the only way to live, right? You you either own everything you have and you don't follow God and you're in charge of yourself and that's your prerogative. We have free will. Or you give your entire life to God and you trust him completely. There's no in-betweens. So if you are going to be a steward, and you're going to embrace that, and you understand she's, she's holding, she's not having. Here's, 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 here's some things. First one is you're going to have to rec- recognize the struggle. Here's the struggle. It's what I would call the mind mindset. You know what the struggle is if you have kids. You make them, you buy, you wrap, you pay for you give them things, and sometimes you ask for it back, right? And what do they say to you from a very young age? Mine. Mine. You have, you have, you have, listen. Anybody have more than one kid? You've experienced this where you've given them something, and they're playing with it, and one of their siblings walks over and gra- like the bigger sibling just grabs it out of their hand. What is what does the younger baby do? Well, they like, hey, thank you. Here you go. You can have it, right? They're freaking out. They're like, do something. Right? Because it's it's whose? It's mine. You get that in your hand. Mia, what are you doing? Are you holding that right? Don't be taking a picture of my money. And so, what are you doing? Oh, you're taking notes. Okay, I thought you were I thought you were doing something, right? Copying it, some kind of weird AI thing, and my money's gonna be gone. And so, right? Okay. And so Mia, if you, you just close your hand and Montgomery, just close your hand. That's what we want to do. It's 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 mine. I mean, all, all kids have this. It. In my house right now, I'm always laughing about the mind mindset, right? Like, everything in in my house. Technically, I know God owns it, but but also I've paid for it, right? And so, like, he owns it. I'm responsible for it. I'm trying to teach my kids this. But even in my kids, like, my, my oldest son's 16, and so um, he, has, he has a job at a, a pizza place, a local pizza place. And uh, it's a good spot, like he gets, he gets $10 an hour, he gets tips, he's part of the tip culture you know and I'm talking about, and so I don't know how I feel about it, but it's benefiting him. And so, um, so he gets tips at this, at this counter, he, he makes decent money, works two days a week, and it's a really cool shop. At the, end of, at the end of his shift, they have pizza that's laying around, and apparently you can't just sell it the next day. And so they let him take home pizza, sometimes five, six, seven pieces, Some, I mean he just puts it in box and he, and he comes home, and, and, and the thing is when he goes to his job, he doesn't yet drive, so who, who takes him to his job? when he's done his job at 9 30 10 o'clock it's way past my bedtime (laughs) and I have to drive and and, and pick him up and and I I, it's it's me right like I'm 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 responsible for that I mean I made him I was part of making him like I I I put a lot into his life and so he'll bring pizza home and every once in a while he gets home late at night. he's already eaten because he also gets a free meal when he's there it's a good job right, and he'll come in and he'll stick the pizza box in the refrigerator, right, one of our refrigerators, and at some point during the week, he likes to come back and nibble on that pizza, but when he brings it back and puts it in our, in our house, every once in a while, one of his little brothers will walk by and smell the pizza, and they'll heat up a piece without asking him, and what do you think he does? He freaks out, who ate my pizza? Where's my pizza? And I'm like, hey, bro, number one, there's like 16 boxes of pizza in, in the thing right now. You didn't pay for it. I took you there. I picked you up. I made you 16 years ago, right? Technically, nothing you have in this house is yours. It's my electricity that you're using to keep the pizza cool. It's my stove that you're using to heat it up, right? We don't do microwaves in our house. That's not healthy. And so it's my... It's the, my, everything, right? And you have the audacity to get mad because somebody ate your pizza, and you're saying my, and it's typically uh, Lincoln who's taking a piece of his pizza, and he's like, you're letting Lincoln eat my pizza? Do something about it. What's so interesting, the very next morning as we're having this conversation, they have to get ready together in the bathroom. See, we don't have a bathroom from every kid, right? And so, God, I don't know how we survive. And so, and every morning, you know, hair's important to, to kids these days, and so, um, I'll hear something about somebody, mainly Carter, taking Lincoln's um, hair stuff. He ate his pizza the night before, and he's taking his hair stuff now. And Lincoln saying, tell him to stop using my hair stuff. And I go through the exact same scenario. Lincoln, I made you 14 years ago. <laughs> like well, Lincoln, I'll just go birds and the bees talk right there on him. And so... And I said, I bought that on Amazon, and technically it's not yours. And he'll be like, no, it's mine. I'm like, well, even the money you have, you didn't have a job, right? Oh, I don't have a job. I mean, you had a birthday. But the truth is, why do you get money for your birthday? You didn't do anything. I did all the work, right? More specifically, let's be honest, your mom did all the work, right? I was playing snake when you came out. And so like, yeah. And it's the whole same thing, and there's just this, there's just this struggle in our lives. My house, we'll say, my car, my family, my money, my job, my, my raise. It's all mine. you got to recognize that struggle. In fact, I'm going to just give you a few, a few stories Jesus told. He told this one story in Luke chapter 12. He says, here's a parable, a story. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. I want you to find yourself in here. He thought to himself, that's, that's, you should highlight that. He gets an abundant harvest, and he thinks to himself. He doesn't say to God, this is really good. What do you want me to do with this? He thinks to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So he says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, what? You're a fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be for whoever stores up for themselves uh, things on this earth but is not rich towards God. The problem is in the increase he thinks to himself instead of the right attitude which is going to God. In, in, In fact, here's a question you should ask yourself if you're trying to be a steward. Is there anything in your life right now that if you needed to give it up for God, you would not? Think about that. I went through that I'm like we got this nice new building and stadium seating and if God came to me and said hey I need you to move back to the colonial theater for a couple years I think I hang up on that phone call just no I'd have all sorts of reasons I mean that's not something like we're going back there no he has not called I did not hear it right <laughs> but I did filter that through like God would I give that up God God, would, would, is there anything in your life right now that if God said, hey, okay, you, you've, been, you've been holding that, but I, I need that back right now? And he, here's why this is so important, is when you become the owner of stuff in your life, owning is overwhelming. Like, you remember working at a job where you weren't the owner, and it was kind of fun? Like, my first job, I was a children's pastor. I didn't care about nothing. There was complaints. They went to the head pastor, Right? My job was to entertain kids, play chubby, Bubby, get chubby bunny, give out candy, uh, give them Mountain Dew. Like that's what I did as a children's pastor. Like I was, I was about that, right? I didn't care about anything. And then I got here and I had to be the boss. Being the boss sucks because owning changes everything. This is why Satan doesn't want you to get to the spot where God's the, you're the steward and God's the owner because that takes the pressure off of your life. He wants you to feel the weight. He wants you to be stressed. He wants your family to always be at each other. He, he, he wants you to never be happy. He doesn't ever want you to get to the point where you say, God, you're the owner. I'm just a steward or the manager. Let me just give you a few more thoughts. Number, number two is this. is uh, If you understand the, the principle of, of being a steward, then, then you begin to uh, think about how you take this responsibility serious. You, you take the responsibility seriously serious watch watch what it says these are jesus words in luke chapter 12 he's kind of dissecting this in, in scripture and he ends with this in luke chapter 12 verse number uh, 48 he says but the one who does not know uh, and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with a few blows now this is where i want to pick it up we, we don't have time to do the whole story he says from everyone who has been given much much will be you see that be what that's a that's a dawning scripture for if you've been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. In other words, money is not just a resource God gives you. Guess what it is? It's a responsibility. And the more you value God, the more you value his gifts. And that's just it's true. Let me think about your kids. My kids break everything. Anybody else? Like I don't even know how they break some of the stuff they break. It's just stuff that just gets broken. Nobody ever says it's broken. It's just broken, right? And so... um. And I I yell at them from time to time, and I'm like this, and I began to understand. The reason that they don't take care of my stuff the way I want them to take care of my stuff is they have a lack of honor for their father and mother. Because when you honor something, the natural response is to take care of it. The, the The more, listen, the more you understand the seriousness of what you've been entrusted with, the more sanctity you have in your heart. That's honor. This is a big deal. And so when you look at stuff and you don't have a, oh, man, I know this is important. I know God has trusted me with this. And you just kind of spend it on whatever you want. It tells you everything you need to know about how you view God. Because the more honor you send to God, the more you'll honor the gifts that he entrusts you with. I said it like this. Your level of seriousness with stuff is equal to your level of sanctity with God. And so here's questions you ask. You ask, is this going to make my master happy? Is this going to make God happy in my life? How is this thing that I'm going to do with my money, how is it going to impact eternity? Here's a good one. Is this a need or am I addicted to wants? One man said, uh, when God provides more money, we often think, what a blessing. What we need to think is this is a test. Am I being responsible with what God has trusted me with. Now let me get, to, can I get to the good stuff? You're like, man, this is, this is not, this, is okay, okay, pastor, right? And so let me get to the good part of being a steward and, and, and we're gonna land right here. N- number three, numbers three, you understand the return on it. And so um, any investors here, investors, saving up for retirement, you're like, I don't know if I should admit this now because you just read that parable about the fool and I was trying to get to Florida, and now you just said, okay, this, that was not an anti being smart with your money, right? It's an obsession with retirement. If your whole life is about you getting down to Florida in, a, in a, a shirt that nobody likes and being all pruned, you know what I'm talking about? If that's the goal of your life, that's a waste of life, right? Like you as a Christian, it, you don't retire from being a Christian, Your your, your life is about reaching people for Jesus. He might move your location, but he never changes your purpose, okay? And so, but let's be honest. God still calls us to be wise with our money and to save, and we can talk about that in a few weeks. And so if you're an investor, there's what you call the ROI, the uh, return on your investment. How much am I going to expect? What does the outcome look like? And so let me just teach you the ROS, the return on stewardship. What what does this do in your life? And let's just go right to the Bible. Can we do that? Watch what Luke 16 says. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You still got my money? There you go. You're not gripping it. Just hold it. Get your thumb off of that. You're getting tighter. And so... So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of their own? Here's what the Bible teaches. Poor stewards lose resources. Good stewards receive more. We said it for years. Open hand, open heaven. But I want to teach you a new way to say it. When you restrain what God gives you, you'll restrict what he can send you. When you take it and you restrain what God sends you, you'll restrict what, or what, he, what he can get to you. And I know this is true from our church. We have never done a, a capital campaign where like, we gotta get people to give. Years ago when we needed more money, I sat down, I thought about it. We're yelling at people about giving, they're not giving. I talked to my dad, he told me, hey, I've been pastoring a church for this many years. Here's what you should do if you wanna open up the financial lid in your church. And I didn't like his answer. You know what his answer was? Give, give money away. I'm like, What? We don't have any money nobody gives we got poor people right we got a bunch of young people they don't want to get like in all this stuff and it was just i promise you in 2011 2012 we didn't have a lot of money we didn't have a lot of people we didn't have a lot of resources but we started to give uh we started to tithe out of our our, what's come into our church we've never stopped doing that and the bible is clear when you put god first you can't outgive god you want to take the lid off of your, of your life? You got to start walking out this, this, this principle of stewardship. You understand the return. Let me just give you one, one more. Number four, embrace the rewards. And so here, this one's going to be hard because we live in a culture right now where it's acceptable to play in a sports league and not have a winner and loser. Now, you, you're like, you talk about this every week because it makes me mad. From four until forty four. If you play in a league, there should be a winner and a loser. We all say amen, but most of us, we put our kids in leagues that don't have that. Like they're there, and so it, even in church, everybody in church is like, No, we're just all here under the grace of God, and we're all here just worshiping together, and we're all gonna fly away someday to heaven, and we're all gonna do this. And I wanna read you a quote that was in the book that literally shook me. I don't remember it from 2012 when I read it, or 13. It's, he says this He says, Our belief determines where we will spend eternity. That's true. The only way you go to heaven is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he said, Our behavior. Determines how we will spend eternity. There's rewards. Watch what scripture says in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what faith is? Faith is not you coming and sitting in a seat here. This takes absolutely nothing from you. Somebody's like, yeah, I gave up sleep today. Okay. It's not somebody stealing, you know, stealing from your family, killing you, persecuting you. You just came to church today. This is not faith. This might be a good step as you get faith but this is not faith sitting here faith is when you hear something in church and you don't know what the next step is you just know the right now step and you take that step not knowing the future that's faith like God says switch your job I don't know what the outcome is but I'm going to have faith that's faith and the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God and here's why watch what it says because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him See the word? That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Watch what it says in, Matthew, in Mark 9. Truly I tell you, no one who has left home, brother, sister, mother, father, children, fields for me, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. There, there's rewards. There's rewards. There's rewards. Still got my money, Mia? It's not sweaty? Okay. So Mia has how much of my money? Okay, in Montgomeryville, I don't know who has Taylor's money. But if you're still there, you have $100. Can you do me a favor real fast? Can you bring up the the house lights to the, the normal sermon scene so I can actually see people real fast? I want to make sure Mia don't leave with my money. And so... Okay, so you have how much of my money? All, you have, still have $100. You didn't put any in your pocket? Okay, can you just stand up for a second? All right, so you got, you got to stay standing. And so Mia has whose money? Okay, so next week we're going to learn the principle of tithing. I, I own it all. I asked her to hold it. If God's a steward, then you just start to listen to what he calls you to do. The first thing he wants you to do is he wants you to trust him with the first 10% of, of your income so I'm God remember I, I know I'm not God but in this and you're 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 Mia I gave you that's my money okay and so I need you now listen can she give from that kind of but I think she's just playing with house money because whose money is it it's not hers don't take credit because it's not yours and so you're not actually when you're tithing you're not giving you're actually returning that's, that's the first principle. And so if I were to say to you, hey, you got to put, put God first, steward. Okay, you're, you're agreeing with that. I'm God. How much, how much is your tithe? All right, so can you, me, can you give me 10% of that? There you go. Okay, so you still got, how much you got? Okay, you're 90. Okay, track moves. She has $90 still. Who, whose money is it? Okay, so Mia, Mia ties and, 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 you know, she starts to enjoy the, the spirit of giving and stuff like that. And so Mia has, has money and, and uh, sh- Listen. You, you're, you're, you're in church and you're living your life and God is speaking to you. He's the God of generosity. He's the God of abundance. You got $90, but man, in, in that money, he begins to speak to you and, and you're, you're out to eat and you see somebody else and God says to you, I want you to pay for their bill. Or maybe you're at Wawa and he's like, I want you to buy this. Or maybe you're at school and so, some, you know there's a kid at school that doesn't have the clothes that they, that, that you you know that they would like to have. And so you go out and you you buy that. Or maybe you go to the cafeteria and you pay off somebody's debt that they need to have so they can get more food and so let me just let me, so you, you feel it and you're like I, I need to, I'm need. i going to return I'm going to give $30 away so I just want you to find look around I want you to find somebody I want you to find somebody I want you to not one of your friends right and so right I want you to give $30 away 30, give, give it away there you go okay there you go that was easy okay come back and so okay, so how much money you have okay you're doing good you have $60 who's, whose money is it it's still mine and so, but Mia's enjoying, she's playing with house money. She's, she's, she's feeling generous. She's like, this is, this is crazy. And because, because you're handling God's money like that, the Bible says when you're, when you're trustworthy with a little, for, for some of us, $100 is chump change. For some of us, $100 is a lot of money. But what, when you treat whatever you have the way God wants you to treat it, it will always be little in compared to what God wants to do. So now she's given, she's given uh, $40, but she still has $60 of my money. But the Bible says you can't outgive God, God enjoys giving, giving money. And so, uh, so God, he sees that you're, that you're handling his money well and so he gives you another $100. So now, now you have how much, how much you have? 160, okay, okay. But something's happening in your spirit. You're just a young girl. The very first time that I felt the presence of God in my life was through giving, the very first time. I was in a service just like this. My dad's church was raising money for a piece of property so they can build, build land. And I had $100 in the bank, that's what I had, $100. I was saving up for a, ba- it, was, it was probably 1992, $100 went a lot farther than today. And I was saving up for a baseball glove. I was finally gonna get a real baseball glove, not a hand-me-down baseball glove. My parents didn't have a lot at that point. And I was sitting in a service just like this. And in my, in my bank account was $100. And I felt the spirit of the Lord for the very first time in my life. And what he told me is you're gonna give that $100 away. I sat with my dad in the car when we were going home. Very first time I've ever had a godly conversation with him about anything. Because I slept through church. Let me just be honest with you. And I said, God, Dad, I'm supposed to give $100. And he, he didn't try to talk me out of it. He said, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and so uh, let's just pretend you're, you got that $160. Bucks. It's not your money. It's God's money. But, man, you're, 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 you're out to eat. Let's just say you're out to eat. And you're, you're, you're eating. You're going out with your friends. You're at, you're at Red Robin, wherever kids go to eat. And so I uh, got endless fries. And the lo- Spirit of the Lord says to you, that family over there, they're struggling. I want you to pay their bill. And they, listen, they all got burgers. They all got appetizers. They all got, they all got like sodas. They all, they all and so their bill is hundred dollars. That's a lot of money to you, but I want you to go find that family. I want you to give them that hundred dollars. So I want you to give that, that money away. And you don't even think about it because whose money is it? Well, why are you going that way? We're going this way this time. We're going this way. If you're in Montgomeryville, just go find somebody. Get, you, don't be holding the money still. And so there you go. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Where you going? Who are you going to? Wow, you're being picky. Go ahead, give the money away. What are you doing? Oh, where? All right, that's good. Find somebody to turn. There you go, right there. All right. You're listening to the Lord. All right, come back. Come back, come back. So now, now you're, back to, you're back to $60. Man, that sucks. Had all this money. But, but who, who's been giving you the money? And God has endless amount of resources. And you've been faithful with little, so then God comes back in. And he's like, uh, here, can you, can you handle this $400 for me? And so now you have how much money? You started with how much? A hundred, but none of it was yours. And this, this, let me like, that's how it works? Absolutely. Like when, when you begin to trust God with your finances, God knows he can trust you with more. When, when listen, when he, let me have this real fast. When he gives you this and you take it and you put it, I'm not gonna keep it, don't worry. He put it in your pocket and, and, and listen, and you walk away and you've gained that the Bible says what good is it to gain the whole world yet lose your soul and so if he gives you this and it takes you away from following him that ruins your soul so he doesn't do that but when he sees that you're trustworthy now here's what I want you to do you're not done giving because I just gave you $460 I'm not going to take it back from you even though I have one more service I want you when you leave this place, I want you, seriously, I want you to go home, I want you to pray, God, this isn't my money, God, you trust me with this money, and I want you to pray, and I want you actually to go meet somebody's need this week, you can keep some of it, you can put it in for college, pay off your car, if you dented it, because I know how you drive, you can get it fixed, right, and so, right, get some gas, whatever you want to do, but I want you to pray, God, when I go to school this week, God, is there somebody that, listen, somebody nobody sits with, somebody nobody talks with, God, give me your eyes, give me your heart of generosity, and then and, and, and here's what's going to happen. As you begin to experience generosity in your life, live with the open hand, I promise you for the rest of your life, you're going to see resources from heaven giving you everything that you need to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Amen? Would you stand to your feet all over these campuses so is not standing by herself? Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your hands and close your eyes? Just stick that in your back, it's your money. Stick it in your back pocket, It's no gimmicks. And so. And all over this house as, uh, as we pray, this, I, I, don't, I just want you to get this. I, I want, you want, you're a business owner, I want you to get this. You're a, uh, you're a new believer, I want you to get this. Some of you old believers, you know what I'm talking about? Like you've been a believer your whole life, but you've never gotten this aspect of following God. I promise you it'll change your life. Some of you, this is your very first Sunday. And you're like, man, they're talking about money, and it's kind of weird they're talking about money. But you have to understand, um, when money comes into God's kingdom, it enables us to do what we're doing here today even. So even that, like when we say we don't give to the church, we give through the church. It enables for people like you to come into this place and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear the same hope, experience the same power that many of us have experienced. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, um, I want to specifically talk to the people in this place. Maybe you've been in religion before, or, or maybe you've been to church for many years, but you've never fully submitted or given your life to God through Jesus Christ. That, that's what it means to be a steward, to, to absolutely give up control of every part of your life. God, you own it all. And I'm sorry, for some of us, we've been allowed to be in a religious Institution or in America where it's okay to give a little bit away and follow God a little bit and show up on Easter and show up on Christmas and kind of dabble in. You know how you people get in the pool. Some people get their little foot in the pool and they get out of it, they just put their feet in it. But there's other people when when it's time for the pool, they just jump in. And we've made it okay to kind of sit on the end and kind of do what you want to do. As long as you put your faith in in God, as long as you say a prayer, you're in. And it's just not in the Bible fully give your life to God. It's the only way to follow him. I'm not the boss. God, you are. You're in control. I fully trust you. God, I want to know your word. I want all my ways to line up in obedience with you. That's where true blessing, that's where true peace, that's where true joy comes from. Let me tell you something, God's here right now. He's here. He's. he's. Some of you, he's convicting. Some of you, he's comforting. Some of you be speaking to for the very first time. Some of you, this is the very first time maybe in years or maybe ever, you've walked through the doors of a church and you're actually kind of confused by everything that's going on, but you do feel the power and the presence of God. You feel that. And the cool thing about Jesus is you don't have to understand everything to begin to follow him. The Bible simply says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you put your trust in him, and you begin to follow him in your life, that he'll meet you right where you're at. He's not gonna leave you that way, I promise you, but he'll meet you right where you're at. And he'll begin to change you. He'll begin to guide you, he'll begin to lead you. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've brought into this place. It doesn't matter how broke you are. If your heart's still beating, God can and will still change your life. So I wanna end there. I want to. That's what stewardship is. God, you can have everything in my life. I'm not gonna hold anything. I'm not gonna hold out. You can have every aspect of who I am. The Bible says when you call on God like that, he'll answer. When you humble yourself before him, the Bible says he'll lift you up. So if nobody looking around at our campuses, maybe you would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I don't know Christ, but I want to. I want him to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free. Uh, I wanna lead you in a prayer And the prayer is just a confession and a belief, and it's simple. All you're saying is, God, I know you love me. Um, I heard us sing about the cross of Christ. When Jesus came, he died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood for forgiveness of my sins, past, present, and future. The Bible says that he was placed in a grave, and on the third day he rose in power, and it's through him that I become a brand new person. And what I, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to fully comprehend it to put your faith in it and begin to follow it. God, I know you're real. God, I've tried to live life on my own. God, I don't have all the answers, but I know I can't live by myself one more day. Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my Savior? And when you call, he'll answer. When you call, he'll answer. So all over this place in Montgomeryville, I don't know Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't worry about the person to your right or left. But I need Jesus Christ to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to make me whole. Uh, Pastor, you've been speaking to me. Um, I don't even understand it fully, but you've been speaking to me right now. I'm ready for a change. I need hope. I need freedom. I need healing. I need forgiveness. That's me all over our houses. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you as we close. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior all over this house. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven? I'm going to fully commit my life to Christ. Come on. I see hands all over the place. Yes, hands. Yes, yes. Hands up there. Yes. Yes. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, um, would you pray with me? We're a family. So nobody prays alone at Journey Church. Would you pray something like this? Say, Jesus Christ, today I'm done running. From this day forward, I give you my life. I want to follow you. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your peace. And thank you for your joy. I'm a new person. Jesus, I love you. In your name we pray. All over this house, would you shout amen? Amen, let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.